Hey, everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of the Hockey is, Pool. Hockey is Cool. That's the name. Uh, podcast. I am joined today by Greg Young. You can find Greg on Japers Rink. You can hear him on Japers Rink Radio. You can find him on Twitter at, at Greg Y underscore JR, which is not for Junior. It's for Japers Rink. You got uh, it. As, as I just found out a minute ago talking to Greg. <laughs> um, so Greg is here tonight. We are going to talk about a couple things. We're going to cover uh, one caps related thing. We're going to talk about TJ Oshi and his, I guess, his contract. Greg and I have uh, had a couple couple interactions recently. <laughs> a nuclear on level bad take, if I remember. You're yeah. <laughs> We've had a couple interactions on Twitter that uh, Greg said we should talk about tonight. Uh, to go into more detail, we're also going to talk about the Florida Panthers and are they fun? Are they good? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into them because they've been honestly. When I look at the standings for the NHL this season, they're one of the teams that constantly surprised me the most of where they are right now. So, yes, Greg, thanks for being here, man. How's it going? It's good. It's good. It's good. We were just talking a little before, but I have uh, I have a couple of months left in the uh, great city of Columbus, Ohio, and I am I've been cooking up a storm here. I've been like pickling random things. I after this, I have a uh, I have a uh, date with uh, with some hockey and uh, nice nice beverage. So it's uh, life life is good for me. How are you doing, Pat? I'm doing great, but I want to know what the, before we get any further. I want to know the weirdest <laughs> thing you've pickled so far. Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so I. Oh, um, okay. This isn't technically pickling, but I have made my own maraschino cherries, which, uh, cause wow. I, yeah, I've always thought like the ones that you get at the store are like way too sweet. And then you see the videos and there's these like chemical monstrosities with a million things in them and everything. And I'm like, I could just do that. Like, so I, I found this recipe online that was just like, it basically sugar, water and cherries. And I think a little bit of like vanilla extract and it rules. It's been great. So I like throw that in like old fashions and stuff like that. It's been great. Yeah. I was going to ask, I, I know them through having them in old fashions. I, I don't think yeah. I've ever consumed one otherwise. Um, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. But, I highly recommend. <laughs> okay. And then second, most important question, what beverage are you going to be enjoying tonight with your hockey? So I've been doing this thing called a uh, scoff law. So I'm a big whiskey guy. I've been, uh, I lived in uh, Cincinnati for a couple of years, which everyone will say is like, it's like right near Kentucky, obviously. And it's like right. kind of whiskey. Central. So I've been doing this thing called the scoff law, which is, uh, it is rye whiskey, vermouth, uh, grenadine, lemon, freshly squeezed lemon juice, and uh a dash of orange bitters. And sometimes I'll throw a maraschino cherry in there wow, too. And it, that is fancy, yeah. man. I'm impressed. It's cool. Well, it produces this like, it, it doesn't, it, it tastes amazing. It looks a little weird. I like the, I, when I've posted it on Instagram, people have compared it to like crab rangoon sauce, which uh, isn't necessarily, <laughs> I could like do fancy garnishing stuff if I really wanted to. Cause I, I like, I love making drinks and I kind of love doing the artistic side of it. So I could make it fancy, but I mean, it tastes amazing. It has like a million things in it, but it's actually pretty easy to make. The only thing you really have to do is just like have like a little cobbler thing and, you know, shaker. And so you just throw it all in there and it's, uh, it's pretty solid. Okay. I'm, I'm impressed. That's yeah. a lot, a lot of effort. And I mean, that is a compliment, not a critique. I, I think <laughs> well, great. I can, I also have like, I, I'm a big beer guy too. And so it's, it's finally almost like summer beer season, which is more my, my, my jam. So I, uh, I have some of those too, if I'm not quite kind of feeling up for making a drink. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so 
All right. So TJ Yoshi is a guy who we've interacted with. Yeah, I believe I did call your one of your replies to my tweet. <laughs> yeah, nuclear level bad. take. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, Twitter is just great for having long, drawn out discussions with lots of nuance and uh you know, being very measured. So, so, you know, it was, it was like, I was just tweeting in a very measured way. Like I always try to do and calling yeah. it nuclear level bad, but I guess, well, I mean, we, we all, we all have like the, you know, it's uh, it, it can be tough when you disagree with something to kind of like, I remember like when I was young, I would have this problem, like a lot of kind of angry young white males on the internet. That's not a thing at all. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, of just being like, okay, like make sure that I, you know, and like, you know, they, your thing was totally fine. Obviously it was like, I don't care. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I think sometimes like I, I like a lot of people can kind of like fall into the, you know, Oh, this person has a mild disagreement on me with TJ Oshi. You know, this is the, uh, the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. So, Hopefully the world won't end tonight, but so oh, maybe I, lately. <laughs> I, I guess one thing, one thing we didn't really get into, cause I think our, we just went back and forth a couple of times on it was sure. kind of like how to frame it. Right. And I'm not sure like what, cause I think you have a uh, more critical opinion of maybe Oshi and his contract than I do at this point. Maybe sure. we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. But I, so I guess like, is your viewpoint that like, the Yoshi contract, like when it's done, we're going to say it was a bad contract or that like from here on out, it's likely not to be a good contract or, or something else. Yes. Yeah, so no, no, no. I think, I think it's, it's much more the second than the first. I mean, like they sure. signed him and then he has been uh, like, I pulled the, I pulled the numbers on this today, kind of in anticipation of this question. And yeah. he's been like an above average value for the team. Like, uh, you know, year over year, he's, consistently very good on the power play in terms of shot generation, which isn't a huge surprise because of the position he's in, but he also is better five on five than I thought he would be. Like, I mean, it's Same. he, yeah, he's the problem. So, so I think it's much more the second part of my problem with it going forward is obviously 5.75 over four more years is a lot of money. And you look at what he's doing this year and the way he's providing value this year, because he, again, he's getting, um, at least according to kind of the a the uh, hbf uh, analytics hockey page which is a useful little metric and i double checked a lot of these stats along natural stat trick is that he's been providing a lot of his value actually this year on defense oh, which is okay. kind of counterintuitive but it's sure. it's true so you look at it and he is actually one of the caps better forwards in terms of shot suppression which okay. it, it makes a certain kind of sense when you look at it because he's always engaged in the defensive zone. He never takes a shift off, which I think is what we all love about him, right? Like you look at him and you're just, this guy's a bulldog and he would run through anyone to stick up for a teammate and that rules. And obviously there's an intangible impact of that, that we can't measure, right? Like right. that he's obviously a, a huge leader in the capitals. He's very good in the community. He's all those kind of things. So that's important. And I don't want to undercount that. That being said, the I'm a little concerned about, you know, anyone who's providing a lot of their value defensively, particularly as he gets older, I'm concerned that when the legs start to go, and you can tell with Oshi that they've started to go a little bit, right? Like he definitely is not the kind of skater that sure. he be, right? So my concern is that as he gets older, if, you know, he's not going to keep shooting 3%, obviously, but if the offense is starting to maybe decline a little bit and he's providing increasing amounts of value on defense, 
I'm concerned about the sustainability level of that, particularly with another four years on the contract going forward. And the fact that the Caps need to do things like re-sign Vrana, they need to figure out the Ovechkin contract. So I'm a little nervous about that. And I say, okay, if I'm Seattle, like I, you know, like if and they take that contract off the Caps books, like I wouldn't be totally broken up about that, at least from an analytics standpoint, independent of all the stuff he does either either in the room or off the ice. Yeah, no, I think I think that's all fair. And just so nobody thinks I'm revising history, when the contract was signed, like I was fully opposed to it, right? I mean, he was yeah. 30 years old. He was coming off a season in which like his five on five shooting percentage was like double anywhere yes. it was, you know, previously in his career. And he didn't maintain that, but but it's actually like, you know, the contract has been good so far, like you were yeah. saying. He was the core player, a core player on a team that won the cup. Um, you know, and, and so like, so really at this point, regardless of what he does the rest of the way, like to me, it's like, yeah, I, I I was wrong when this started, like at the end, like, I don't care what happens the rest of the way. This was a good contract. You got, you got, what is he in his fourth year now? Um, I think that's right. I could pull up his cap friendly, which I should have. You've gotten, uh, yeah, he's in his third, fourth year. So you, you know, so far you've gotten three good years out of him that includes him being a core player in a cup. Like I don't care what it is the rest of the way. If you pay for five bad years on the back end of that, like that's kind of the, it's the price of doing business when you're in like a win now mode. And I think in terms of like with the rest of the way, I certainly worry about it too, like you do, but I think that, and with Seattle, right? Like none of these decisions exist in a vacuum. It's like, okay, well, it's this guy or that guy. Like we don't know all the like moving pieces, right? It's not just like Oshi or this dude. It's like, well, mm-hmm. if they take this, this then causes these next seven things to happen, right? For the yeah. cap. So yes. for us, it's hard to know that. But I will say that I guess my, the way that I look at it now with like where Ovechkin is in age, where Backstrom is in age is basically do I think Oshi will contribute to the team being competitive next season or would that money be spent better elsewhere? And, and I think as of right now, I'm in the former on that. I think I, I, you know, I don't care about the end of his contract at this point, even if we could get rid of it because it's, it's year to year right now, I think. Sure. And, and I, oh, yeah. And so I mean, this might be like the, the last cat, I mean, maybe next year, maybe like, but this, I mean, I think we all agree that like, this is like, you know, the I I've gotten sick of talking about this on Japers Rick Radio, but like the window is like it, even if it's not completely shut, it's clearly like you know this is like maybe maybe this year, maybe next year. Then like you're starting to really look at some hard hard decisions after that. Yeah, I, agreed, and and that could come sooner than we think, right? It, it, we could be at the end of the season talking about like yeah, it absolutely makes sense to do this with Oshi and retool in this way because the team might not be as competitive next year. Right. But yeah, but at, at, yeah, at least for now, I I'm just kind of in the camp of, I think next year's roster will be better with him and his 5.75 million cap hit on the team than without it. But, but again, that depends on like, okay, so then what happens if you keep him? Right. And we don't know. Yeah, we don't, we don't. And that's the tricky part, right. Is that I, I, I think it's like, I, I think I think if you would acknowledge this, right, that that's a tough question, right? I don't I don't think that there's a clear answer about whether, because I, I, I think you could you could also argue that one of the Cavs' biggest problems right now is that they have basically they have very little speed on the forward group, right? And so yeah. like yeah. and and does Oshi contribute to that in a positive way? And I, I like 
I mean, no, but like maybe he provides value in other places. So I think it's like kind of a tough question. And the fact that it's a tough question, I think right now, when I'm looking at the rest of the contract going forward, I say, well, if it's a tough question now, in like three to four years, it's clearly going to be, you know, probably on the other side of that equation. So I think when I say like, I wouldn't love the contract going forward, that's, I think that's kind of what I mean, you know, of like this, Oshi isn't, if we're going to say, okay, he's going to be a surplus value this year and next year, I'm willing to hear that. I think that makes some kind of sense, but I think after that, you know, you're like, okay, this is gonna this is gonna be tougher. And I like I get what you're saying too about that this is this might be the end for the caps in a couple of years. And so let's try to max the window out now. So that that makes a certain kind of sense to me. Okay. All right. So yeah, you know, unfortunately I think we agree them more than we disagree on this. Yeah. Um, well, that's I mean, the thing is like there's I, I think you could say, I think even 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 with it, you would say, oh, she is like a like a close call at least for me, you know, like, I think it's like, okay, yeah. I'm like 52%. I wouldn't rather have this contract at 48% that I would. So I think like, you know, I don't think there's a clear, it's a hundred percent. You'd like to have that contract or a hundred percent. You wouldn't like to have that contract. Right. Right. There's He's not Brett right, Seabrook. No, that's a good way of putting it because there's yeah. a, there's a reasonable s- scenario where what I am saying is true of like, they need to tra- treat next year as next year and forget any year after that. There's yeah. a scenario where they approach it that way, and it's still okay to lose Oshi to Seattle. I, I think that's hard. It's hard for me to see that at this point, but that that scenario definitely exists. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's but, just there's so many open variables about the caps, and I mean, obviously we're all talking, we're all thinking Ovechkin, but I mean, for me, I'm going to be really curious to see what the next Rana contract looks like too. Well, I mean, yeah. if they play him i mean one of the weird things is like the fact that they refuse to play him five on five is almost like suppressing his value in a way and it's like all right Right. well maybe that'll help them resign him although i think it makes the team worse in the in the immediate term he was dead last on the team in five on five minutes and i think overall minutes last last night yes you're right i pulled those numbers yep yeah he was uh which I think I think we all I, we we had joked about it on Twitter. I think we all expected that a sprung Kuznetsov Brahma uh, line was never going to see the ice. But uh, right. I really like, given how much of a zero the Haglin Dowd Hathaway line is. Like I, it's just I don't know. Like that's kind of silly to me. Even though I'm sure there's like a coaching reason for it, I'm just not totally sure it's a coherent one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I've obviously not on this podcast. It's only episode two, but on Twitter, you know, I I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse too much myself on, on how much I wish more that they'd play him. And, and, you know, I know there are things that I don't, I'm not privy to and don't know and et cetera, but it just seems like when you have one of the more efficient goal scorers in the league, he should not be last on your team in ice, ice time. That just seems like, I, yeah, I know there's, that, that makes I know sense there's more nuance to it, but, but that seems like a pretty simple statement. To, well, that, I had I had some I had I had Samantha Pell on. Uh, I think it was last episode. Yeah, it was last episode. And I I asked her that same question, and she I think was also a little like I, like you know I think it was we I asked her right after the maybe he got benched, maybe he didn't against the Devils, and I think she was just as like a little baffled by it too. I, like I think it's I yeah I just am not. The the concern I have is that I mean, like you look at the Caps' offense this year, and it is like way down. And I mean, they're they're getting by on like 
really pretty good shot suppression metrics. Like the Caps high danger chances per against per 60 is the best it's been since 2007, eight. Right. Which is interesting to me, but like, I, I, you know, is this a way I think the caps are going to like consistently be effective? I, I don't know. Although it seems to be working this year, I guess. So we did have, have one question come in. Okay. I don't know if you can see the chat on the right hand side. Oh uh, boy. Uh, I've been on private, but I, okay. We got one. Can we talk about what a steal um, the trade was and why the Blues did it? Uh, I honestly don't remember enough context on the Blues at that I point. I actually remember a little bit of this. Do you? All right. Why did the yes. Blues trade Oshie to the Caps for basically nothing? So this was um, right when I think the Blues were in their kind of uh, needing to shake it up mode. Because I remember okay. that there was like a, oh, we need to like trade one of our stars because... I think they had either not made the playoffs or they hadn't made it very far. And they were like, okay, right. let's shake up the room. And I always think those trades are stupid because it's like, all right, like, <laughs> I I will absolutely take your good player who by all accounts is great in the locker room for a laughably low sub. I think there also might've been cap issues too, if I remember correctly with the blues there, but okay. I just, I mean, it was like a, that was like a master move by McClellan, right? Of just like, Hey, here's yep. a team that, feels like they need to shake it up for maybe a stupid reason. And uh, I will happily come in here and take your TJ Oshie, who then I think was like 28 or something and in the prime of his career and uh, put him on the line, put him in the top six and just let it roll. And he's, I mean, he's been great for the caps. Yeah. McClellan has made a lot of trades that I like. Um, yes. That one, that one might, might be the best though. I think it yeah. would be. Um, well, I mean, he did that in the Justin Williams signing in the same off season. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. oh yeah, that's that's impressive. I mean, the Justin Williams one like is a little different in a way because clearly like there was a very limited market for Justin Williams. Like he didn't right. in the sense of like there were only a couple of teams he really wanted to go to. And, and particularly because he was like looking to win a cup that year and everything like that. And uh I yeah, I mean he uh yeah, Brower Copley in a third round pick to because now I'm on the comments too, I could see it. Uh yeah, just a, I mean, it was a uh, it was a no uh, it was just kind of a no brainer deal, and uh, I, I I also think that like I mean I remember Troy Brower that was like the year that they traded him was the year he was in the Oshi spot in the power play, which is a uh, very beneficial yeah. spot to be. It can get you a lot of goals. Pump up that trade value, yeah. Oh hey man, that's uh, I mean Oshi's in that spot now, and he's getting he's it's the same deal. He's getting a lot of goals, although I think he provides needless to say way more value on the power play sure. than Troy Brower. Yes. Did. <laughs> um all right so sw switching gears a little bit to the other uh other topic we were going to cover uh tonight let's um, do it so we were and this came up we were kind of exchanging messages about what we could talk about and you had mentioned that i can't remember exactly how you worded it i think you basically said <laughs> i'm i'm you basically said i'm for some reason pretty into the florida panthers it was basically yes. the gist <laughs> and i you know and i thought that was interesting and so I kind of want to talk about two bigger topics. And, you know, one is, I guess, what, you know, why are the Panthers so good? Because they're, they're, they're overachieving this year. I think what basically anyone, they weren't expected to be a bad team, but no, but, but they, they were expected uh, to be a bubble team, you know? Yeah, I think that was like pretty clearly what people were thinking. Yeah. But yeah. Also, but, but before we get into that, I'm more interested in, in how you became a Florida Panthers guy because, you know, I yes. do think they have a few interesting players, right? But I can't think of any time in the last several years where I've said I'm going to put on a Panthers game. I I've put on the Panthers to watch them play other teams. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but 
Well, it seems like the Panthers versus the Caps, like, that's always, (laughs) like, a – it seems like the Caps are always sleepwalking whenever they go to, like, South Florida – uh, I my favorite, by the way, is when you search for uh, the Florida Panthers on Google. They have a whole section on their website of where is Sunrise, which I <laughs> which I enjoy a lot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think for the Panthers, for me, I so okay. I will say, um, I like a lot of Jewish people on the East Coast have relatives in the South Florida area, so I find myself there a little quite a, quite a bit. And uh, I okay. actually I've been to a couple of Florida Panthers games. Uh, I remember when I was young, one of the first games I went to as a Caps uh, fan was they played the Florida Panthers and just absolutely obliterated them. But we had okay. good seats, and they were it was right near the Florida media guy, and he just like gave us away gave us a bunch of things. So. Somewhere in my parents' house, in their basement, there exists a, I think it's 2003-2004 Florida Panthers, uh, like, media guide, which rules. Like, and I, I think, like, one of the cool things about being a, and it, it's it's less true with the Caps as, they, as they've gotten good and kind of every, like, a lot more people have hopped on the Caps kind of fandom, which is great, and I love it. But one of the cool things about you know, kind of these a little off-the-beaten-path teams is that they really want to have fans. Like they really, they'll go out of their way in a lot of cases to really try to recruit people to come. And I think that's, that's, that's a nice position to be in. It kind of reminds me of when I talked to JP about the start of the caps, like letting bloggers in because into the, into the, into the, uh, into the press box because they needed to get buzz around the team because they were terrible at the time. Right. So the, the it's kind of cool. With yeah, the $10 exactly. tickets. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you, you, you see like now, like, I mean, people like JP and people like uh, Ian Olin now is all over the, uh, you know, all over, like kind of is a much more active participant in terms of uh, being involved in the media, which rules. It's great to have that kind of perspective in there. And I think what's cool about Florida is that they're really excited about having people participate. And that's, that's exciting. Even, even as the team has really struggled over the Okay. Okay. Yeah. And all right. But hey, I, I, I'm all. I want to be clear. I'm. I'm all for fun. And I. Uh, I. You know. I think it's great that you're into a team that I did not really expect you to be into. I think it's fun. Apparently, but I, I also get, just love mustaches too. So that's- <laughs> <laughs> um. So I guess you know if you had to you as Florida Panthers expert and number one fan. Oh boy. Um, that I, neither one of which is well the both, expert part you know maybe a little more both than of which we've one. established are very true statements oh 100 uh, <laughs> you know i was i was looking back at um playoff odds like before the season and now etc i think i think dom on the athletic before the season had the panthers at like 40 percent chance but you know like you were saying a bubble yeah. team and now i checked yesterday and they were 95 percent so right. what so Tell me what the heck has happened in Florida this season that they are uh, that they are doing this. Yeah. So okay, I think there's two big things. One of which is in their control, and one of which is not. So let's talk about the thing that's not in their control, which is they were a bubble team, and who are the other teams that were going to be on that bubble? It was realistically everyone was thinking it's going to be the Nashville Predators and the Columbus Blue Jackets, and surprise, both of those teams are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and so gave a gave a opening to the uh, to the Panthers, who uh, yeah, I mean like the that wasn't necessarily in their control. We didn't expect. I, I think a lot of people were saying, okay, the end might be near 
for the national predators, but I don't think many people expected this, right? So that their utter collapse absolutely helped the the Panthers. And then Columbus, I think there's obviously bigger issues going on there. I think there's the question of whether Tortorella even wants to be there or not. Clearly, like they're fighting with half of their team. It's not a good situation, it sounds like there. So I, you know, I think that that's a big thing is that the teams that the Panthers were supposed to compete with collapsed. And so that really helped them. And so you look at who they're competing with right now for a playoff spot. And I like up there is the, the Blackhawks who are not very good and who are getting a lot of good goaltending that I don't expect to continue for very long. And then it's kind of nothing. And so it makes total sense. The other thing though, that has been more Panther specific is defensively. They are on it. They, you look at like expected goals against, and I think it's fourth in the league while having a league average offense and that'll work. That will absolutely get it done. And I mean, obviously it's a lot of the attention is on Barkov and it should be because he is, I think when I pulled these numbers last, a 65% expected goals player and consistently like, he's like playing Mark Stone level defense while also playing really, also playing really well offensively. And so he, they basically, um, so the Panthers spread around their minutes a lot. So he doesn't actually get as much elite competition as you would think. They spread that. Uh, Quenville's a big proponent of spreading that out pretty evenly, sure. at least among the forward group. But, like, he has just dominated any minutes, and he's dragged a couple of players. Uh, I really like Duclair, uh, but obviously, like, uh, Verhage isn't going to necessarily win a ton of uh, – get a ton of heart votes there or whatever. But uh, Barkov is kind of doing a great job of carrying that line. And then they have some depth in there with, you know, Huberdeau and uh, I think getting um, – Patrick Hornquist is a really good signing for them. And uh, it's interesting too, the, I think everyone was kind of expecting, like there was rumor that Keith Yandel was going to get healthy scratch to start the year and which made the news because he had that crazy consecutive game streak, but he's actually been really good for them. And so they have a lot of depth. They have him playing with uh, former Capitals, great Radko Gudis. And actually that line's been, or that, that pair has been incredible too. And, uh, you know, anytime you can do that, you know, you get uh, it gives you kind of a lot of uh, room for Aaron Eckblad to maybe play a little bit easier minutes and kind of help them out a little bit too. Yeah, and I think you know, with that top six and their forward group, with you know, I think Barkov. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but you know, the the thing that makes him so great, or one of the things that then makes their team so good, is being able to throw like Duclair and Verhegi with him. You yes. know, Duclair's a talented player, but not necessarily a guy who you sign and is going to say, oh, he's playing on our top line. But he can mm-hmm. he can be a complimentary player there. And then Verhege's like, I don't know, like just the guy that he, who's a he's fine, a guy. <laughs> he's a fine NHL player, right? But yeah. I don't think coming into the season, anybody was like, yep, he's going to be on the first line with Barkov. You would have liked him to see him on the third line, right? right. Like that yeah. seems like a perfectly reasonable place for Carter Verhege to go. And then that just frees up Huberto and Hornquist to go yep. spread talent around the lineup elsewhere and uh, you know again I, I i know the team's more than barkov but it's just amazing what having him as that rock there that can that can kind of elevate two competent but not great players like what that yes. then who can then play on the first line what that does to trickle down through the rest of their lineup yeah and i mean it, there's just no it's I mean, it's tricky because it's such an NHL cliche to say this, but it, it is true. There's nothing like having an elite number one center. There just isn't. Like, <laughs> right. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I could like, I, I know I sound like a 200 hockey men kind of quote, but I, you know, anytime <laughs> you can kind of, you need a shift 
to either shut down the team's best players or to maybe get you a goal late when you need it. Like Barkov could do that. And it's really, it's a really valuable thing. And so I think it's been a lot of their top players are playing really, really well. And then their depth has been producing enough. And in a, in a division where the bubble teams have collapsed around them, it, that's going to be more than enough, I think, to make the playoffs. And uh, yeah. maybe, maybe, uh, I, I would expect them to probably get to play uh, Carolina in the first round. And uh, I, I'm sure as a fellow Caps fan, uh, we're all going to be rooting for Florida very heavily <laughs> in, in that series. Because I think we're all tired of Carolina. Oh, I can't but, speak for you. Are you, ti- or are you tired of Carolina? Or um, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I, it's fun to watch them lose. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, they're like the thirstiest team in the NHL. Like JP yeah. and I like, joked about that. No, it's it's fun to watch them lose because they're fun and yes. they're good, but they're also yeah thirsty. That's I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> their, their Twitter account's a little a little uh, a little much. Although the Caps Twitter account's been upping their game lately too. Did you see that that one against uh, Post Flyers? Uh, what did it say? I, I oh boy, remember. it was it was great. It was like uh, it, I think it was like. Flyers saying starting pack and it was like batteries and all this other oh, no, stuff. No, I didn't and, see that. <laughs> and it had the the famous photo of uh, when when they threw their bracelets onto the ice of uh, Wayne Simmons and Alex Ovechkin begging the fans to stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, by the way, was there a more enjoyable hockey game as a Caps fan than that game right there? Put them up three zero against the Fly. Well, yeah, I mean, that was that's pre cup run. I would say. about as good as it gets. Right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So you you mentioned though old Caps friend Radko Gudis, um, yeah, who I believe he's playing on the second pair with Yandel right now. Yep, yep, that's right. Yes, he is. Right. So, yep. So catch up. You know any, uh, you know Caps fans who might be feeling nostalgic about Gudis' long successful run with the Caps. How how has his season been overall uh, in Florida? He's been fine, I think. Like he's not. Someone who's gonna light the world afire, as the Capital Sands have known. But I think he's like, he's, I think, starting to embrace, I think, a little more of a role of a kind of steady defensive defenseman. And he's gonna lay a lot of hits, which I have middling opinion of the of the importance of laying a bunch of hits, as uh, I think a lot of analytics bloggers would say. But I think putting him with Yandel makes sense. Yandel, obviously towards the twilight of his career, but could still skate, could still move the puck around and everything like that. And you can do a lot worse for a second pair, particularly because they're not going to – they're eating some tough minutes, but it's not like they're they're consistently, you know, going to be playing against, like, the team's best, best players. So, yeah, like, I think it kind of works for them. You know, like, Gudis isn't – he's not going to light the world of fire, but I think if he can kind of embrace his role as a defensive defenseman and – there have been indications before he came to the Caps that he was actually better defensively, I think, than he was given credit for in a lot of yeah. ways. That I, I think that that's something that has value. It's not something that has a ton of value, but it has some value. And um, I guess to transition to the one part of the team we haven't talked about. Yes. What? How do you see the goaltending situation playing out? I mean, Bobrovsky's yeah. <laughs> in what? Year two of his... 10 year what was it yeah oh boy it's like eight years or something like that it's bad was it like seven years 70 million the the term was something like that yeah it's well it's like 10 million yeah i remember that it's seven uh, years and he's in year two and things are not not going great for him no they Um, are not (laughs) how, how do you see this 
how do you see it playing out over the rest of the season if you had to take a guess? Well, I mean, it's tricky, right? Because they so the other the other piece to mention, obviously, is they have him, they have uh Drieger, who's been really good. He's actually yeah. been like one of the top goalies in the NHL, but they also have um the the prospect Knight on the you know, kind of in the wings too, who's really good. So okay. there's been all kinds of reports that Drieger was on the trading block, which I, you know, which makes a certain kind of sense if you say, okay, I think the Panthers are a bubble team and this year doesn't really matter. And so let's get value for a guy who's overplaying his contract. Like that makes a certain kind of sense, but I clearly the Panthers are a playoff team and I think they can make some noise. So I don't really get the idea of, play, of you know, benching Drager. The thing I will say is that Bobrovsky has been a little bit better this year than he was last year. Like last okay. year he was bad and this year he's, slightly above average when I pulled the numbers, at least on 5v5 in terms of expected save percentage and every, or in terms of goal saved above average. So he's been at least okay. So, I mean, I think like going forward, you kind of just keep with the split. I think they've actually split the starts pretty evenly between Traeger and uh, Bobrovsky. And I think you kind of keep that going. Like you see, okay, maybe like Bobrovsky can kind of with a more manageable workload, maybe he can keep, being slightly above average, which man, oh man, that contract looks terrible. But I mean, for this year with them being a contender, that that might work at least for the time being. Yeah, I, I, you know, when when they signed that deal, it was just like, man, you invested how much in a goalie? A lot of money to spend a goalie. Yeah, but even even then, I did not imagine it going this far south this quickly for them. And and you know, like you said, he's he's been a bit better this season, but if he could get back, I mean, if he could go on like a 20 game run, like we saw him play in Columbus his last couple of years there. I mean, yeah. this team would be unbeatable. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is like, I, that's, he still, I think he still has that talent, right? I don't think anyone yeah. would say he probably, I mean, although who really knows with goaltending, it's much harder and it can be much more variable year to year and everything like that. And this is all, by the way, subtext to why you don't want to pay a goalie a huge amount of money exactly. unless it's Henrik Lundqvist. Henrik Lundqvist is like kind of the one exception to all of this rule. But I mean, because the other thing is that I remember, uh, I think it was JP, Kevin, and I were all talking on the on the Slack about this, about like which contract's worse, Bobrovsky or Carey Price. Because <laughs> that's a, both of them are terrible. They're like, Carey Price, I think, basically has the same contract with Bobrovsky and he's actually been worse this year than Bob has. So it's, uh, you know, don't pay goalies, but I think that I, you know, if you can go on a 20 gamer like that and it happens to coincide with the playoffs, this is a, this is a team that I like, they, they, they played, they've held their own against Tampa and they've held yeah. their own mostly against Carolina. And so I think that if in a seven game series with them playing as good defense as they do, if Bobrovsky can go on a heater, then, uh, they can really make some noise. Yeah. And, um, and to your point about Price and and Bob Bobrovsky and and paying goalies and all, I mean, I, I was trying to think. And was it? I mean, if we turn back the clock like two years exactly, was, were they two of the best goalies in the world at that point, or would we have to go back three years? You think for Price? Well, so okay. The thing is, like, I with Bobrovsky, yes, I think like very clearly, yes. Harry right, Price, you look yeah. at his stats and they're like a little more mixed than people remember. I think like okay. we all remember okay. like him winning the gold and, you know, him like with that one crazy year with the Canadians where he made a million saves and carried a yeah. bad team into the playoffs and everything like that. But right. he's and, and also he pulls like every single list of NHL players like top goalies, which is, you know, you could take that for whatever value you do. I think it has some value, right? Like NHL players know a lot more about this stuff than I do than 
but and they see a lot more of him than I see. But at the same time, like he hasn't really been great like for a few years now. And it's kind of, except that he can look amazing during any one series. And I mean, we talk about all this and he stole that series in the bubble against the Penguins. Thank God he did. Right. Uh, so <laughs> it's like, so again, this is all, I've spent a lot of words saying I have no idea with goaltending. Yeah. Because I have I, no I, idea. <laughs> I think that's I most know. people. And like you're saying, it's <laughs> kind of why, why the Bobrovsky contract was, uh, a bad idea from the start, even yes. if you got a couple great years out of them. Yes. Um, they could have so, like paid, I don't know, like I, Grice wasn't available at that time, but like pay like a Grice, like 3 million or something like that. And right. that's better. Like you're better off. And they also had a top prospect. And I don't, I don't know if they had drafted Spencer Knight at the time. I, I don't know exactly how that worked. I don't totally remember, but I mean, now they have a great prospect and you're paying your top goalie $10 million a year. That's right. terrible. Yeah, it's huh. a mess. I mean, yes. it, luckily the team isn't a mess right now for the fans in Sunrise and for you. But yeah, that yeah. contract is not good. Yeah, I feel like I don't know necessarily if I have anything specific or a specific question, but I feel like we can't touch on the Florida Panthers without talking about Aaron Eckblad. Like, it just, yeah. <laughs> and and I don't even I don't even know that. Like I said, I don't have a specific question, but I just feel like obviously he needs to come up in a situation about the Florida Panthers because. Like you were saying, that that second pairing that they have with with Gudis is able and Yandel is able to be what it is, and I think a lot of that is kind of a trickle down effect, kind of like Barkov is in the one center spot with how Ekblad is on the top pair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as like we said, as a Florida Panthers expert, where <laughs> you know it, how much praise is too much praise for a guy like Aaron Ekblad? Well, I mean, he's been he's been good this year. I mean, like he if you look at kind of his fancy stats, he's like kind of right along the Florida Panthers train of really doing well in terms of shot suppression. He's yeah. I again like 54% expected goals, which is like right where you would want him to be playing top sure. minutes and everything like that. And I mean, he gets a lot of key minutes. He's big on their power play, which, you know, can kind of go up and down a little bit, but it, I mean, he's he's a really valuable player for them. I I, I think when he was drafted, the hope was that he was going to be like a Eric Carl, not Eric Carlson. That's a little extreme, but like, you know, it was going to be like a clear, like this is like the best defender on the team and one of the, like the top 10 best players in the NHL. And is he going to do that? Probably not. Like, I just, I don't really see that, but there's still value in him being the team's best defenseman and being able to play a lot of minutes and be able to consistently tilt the ice. And he's done that this year for them. So I, yeah, I mean, he's not, like, someone who I think is going to be, like, you know, amazing or anything. But, I mean, he's dragging Mackenzie Weaker around the ice. And right. uh, there's there's value in that. And it, you know, it allows them to kind of even out a lot of the defensive assignments between the Yandel pair and uh, for, for, there's Gustav Forsling and uh, Kevin Cottonewin, uh, like, you know, kind of at the end there. So I think having Yandel being is, like, solid and dependable as not Yandel, sorry, Ekblad is solid and dependable as he is. has been really valuable for the Panthers. Yeah. To, to kind of bring it full circle back to the caps where we started, I think, yes. I think one thing that the Panthers have in like their top center and their top defender uh, is something that the caps, you know, worries me about the caps. And that is they elevate the players around them. Right. And I think mm -hmm. that that's a lot of the concern now with the caps is like, yes, their stars are good, but are their stars, 
as good as other team stars at this point. And yeah, are they the transcendent talents of us? Right. And can you put like a lesser player with a Kuznetsov and he'll elevate him and therefore you'll get to put Oshi somewhere else in the lineup or, you know, or or Vrana somewhere else in the lineup to kind of spread that around. I think that's, uh, it's, it's a nice thing that the Panthers have there with that, because I think that's, if something's going to bring the capitals down this year, I think it's, it's going to be the lack of, yeah, like you said, transcendent talent. Yeah, and I mean, like, this is part of every team's contending deal, right? I mean, Alex Ovechkin was that, and Nicholas Backstrom and John Carlson were those transcendent talents. And, uh, like, I mean, you could put, and the Caps did put a lot of people with Ovechkin, and he made them look really good, right? right? That was yeah. kind of For a the long miracle time. of, yeah, him and Backstrom, too. So, I, I mean, they were like, I mean, granted, obviously Mike Knubel was like a perfect complimentary player, but he was very much at the tail end of his career when uh, the when the Caps got him and he they they put him on the line with them and they made him look really good too. So, you know, I think that I, Dom's big athletic preview, the Caps talked about this a lot, about that the big question is, can Ovechkin and Backstrom and, you know, their top players continue to tilt the ice in a way that's going to be commiserate with the value of their contracts. And I think it's tough to say that they're doing that this year, but the one good thing is that the Cavs do have a decent amount of depth this year in terms of you look at, for instance, like Lars Eller, who I think one of the people had talked about was like, is having a fantastic year. Like I, 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 I did this on a what lies beneath, but I think we all think about Lars Eller's Swiss Army knife, who's really good defensively, gets you in there to win a faceoff. His offensive generation this year has been outstanding. And like he earned those shifts with Ovechkin when uh, Kuznetsov was out. And so, are the Caps' top players going to like be able to provide a ton of value above what their contracts say? Probably not. Although, I mean, Backstrom obviously has provided a ton of value this year. But I think at the same time, the Cavs' depth has been strong this year so far. And so, I mean, like they have Nick Jensen on the third pair who's been crushing his minutes whenever he's yeah. been playing them. And so, I mean, like that's that might be enough for them to probably make the playoffs, although it's definitely a lot less secure than you would like, unfortunately, for as well as they've been playing. Uh, yeah, no. yeah, so we'll see. I, I appreciate that Lars Eller shout-out. He's... Uh... I mean, he's such a pivotal part of this team at this point, even though he is, you know, quote unquote, only the third line center, first line at yes. times. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. He, he's just, you take him out of the lineup and it's just a completely different third line. And and him and Ponick have, have been basically whenever they've been on the ice, so the team's been great. Um, yeah. Well, and I mean, Richard Ponick, by the way, this year is like suppressing shots at a level that like is like Mark Stone-esque. So he's been really good defensively too. And I mean, like it's to the point where like, I mean, yeah, he hasn't provided the kind of goals that you would like for that contract, but he's a valuable player for the caps. And I, yeah, I'd love to see that third line brought together at some point again, the, uh, the magic third line of Sherry, uh, Eller and Ponick. That was, uh, that might be, that might be something to revisit come playoff time. If uh, the caps can kind of get Kuznetsov and Backstrom be able to really center their own lines effectively. Right. No, I think I think that third line would 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 win you a lot of battles. Um, in terms of, of I bet the fourth the line might line. subsequently lose, but you never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you just play them a couple minutes less per night, um, yeah, that might be good. That might be good. But, cool. You know. Well, there's, uh, there's a re- I guess there's a reason they pay Laviolette the big bucks and they pay me the uh, yeah the, yeah the I mean minimum bucks. <laughs> yeah, they pay us nothing. They pay him a lot, and he makes yeah. that decision. So I'm sure he's so, got yeah. Reason. 
I'm sure. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on to educate me and educate everybody else about the Florida Panthers. I, you know, I think they're, uh, I, I am going to turn on one of their games sometime soon now. I recommend it. You've, you've gotten me excited about them. And <laughs> well, and I mean, here's the thing, like also Steve Goldstein, by the way, their announcer yeah. is a yeah. delight. Like, and I, I, I'm sure you've seen Panthers highlights, right? Like when, when they score a goal, it's like Goldstein is like the proudest person in the world. This is like, this is his baby and his baby has scored. It's like, he's so happy. And it's just, I, I wish I had the kind of joy for anything in life that Steve Goldstein has for Florida Panthers hockey. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm even more excited now. So there you go. Get your Panthers Jersey. We're in, get the, uh, yeah. I don't even know what they call their fans. The, uh, the Panther Packers. Well, post vaccine, me and you are going down the sunrise in our jerseys and catching a game. Oh, hell yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> sounds, sounds great. All right. Great. So again, he is Greg young. Go find him on Japers rink. Go find him on Japers rink radio. Greg, thanks for doing this, man. This is fun. I'll, uh, we'll have to uh, talk again soon. Yeah, this is great. This is great. Thank you for having me on. All right, man.